So Kelly, I hear you have a big trip coming up. Yeah. So I'm leaving for Shanghai for China tomorrow morning to race. And it's my, uh, well, first time going to China, but my first time racing in China too. And I'm so confused, Sarah. I've like been sending Haley Chera, who does the Iron Woman podcast, like random emails because she, because her parents live there and she's raced there a bunch. Okay, I mean, there are emails literally that are like, what should I eat? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that the confusion? Like I'm, I'm having trouble understanding, like, are there like layers of confusion? The food thing I understand. What else do you There are layers know? of confusion. So first off, I think most people who go to China do it through like a tour package thing. And then they take care of like your visa and all of your, everything you need to figure out. Mm. But I did not because I was like, whatever. I live in San Francisco. We have a consulate. I can figure this out myself. And so I like went to the consulate, stood in line for like four hours while protesters yelled at me outside and then like had to go inside. And there was this whole weird system. You know, there's all these lines that don't seem to go anywhere. There are like numbers that don't seem to correspond to other numbers. And so I want to hand you a piece of paper. It was like very complicated. And I was naturally like the only person there who didn't have a Chinese passport except for the tour companies who were there with like 30 passports to get. And I was like, I should have just given, and you just wanted to slip your passport to one of them (laughs) and go, I've made an error in in my thinking. (laughs) I've made an error. So it was a whole production. And that was my first glimpse. And then they give you literally, they give you a tiny piece of paper with like your name written on it. And that's your receipt for your passport. You're supposed to like bring that back on a set day and get your passport back. Wow. Okay. So do you have your passport back? I do. And so that was like my first glimpse into like, this might be complicated. And then, I mean, I don't speak Chinese. I know this is shocking information. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So then I got like, I don't know how to get from the airport and I had to book stuff. And with Iron Man, you literally like couldn't book the race hotel except through the tour comp, like the travel, Iron Man travel. Oh, interesting. Which then involved like me faxing them a piece of paper with my credit card information. <laughs> like oh, it was all just like. It seems like very oh, secure. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't even gotten there yet. I'm still like not sure how you even build your bike and go for your does everything work ride in the middle of Shanghai. Like I don't have any idea. It's funny because like when you say <laughs> that it's confusing to go to China, like more than other countries, like right away kind of lands. I'm like, yeah, I, I see what you mean, but I'm not really exactly sure like why it would be like if it, if you're going to Thailand, somehow that would be easier. <laughs> but I'm not sure why. Somehow. It's definitely, I mean, it's definitely like a US China thing. They, they aren't like making it easy to go between the two countries right now. There's definitely right. some hostility it's also definitely like you're not 100 sure on like cultural norms coming from the u.s like what uh in terms of racing because racing is relatively new in china so and this is the, an inaugural race so you're pretty sure they won't have everything figured out you're just not sure which things aren't going to be figured out you know true, like they're going to be is it going to be like the classic where they have shuttles but they didn't think about like people want to bring their bikes on the shuttles that's classic classic first race in like a foreign country type of thing so totally okay well i i'm looking forward to following you first of all on instagram through this so you better do a good story no no apparently i also won't have social media that's what Haley told me too so you what you won't have social media because of the firewall like it's harder to get yeah oh yeah oh how interesting okay well even more so then i look forward to hearing about it next week on the podcast (laughs) Okay. Okay. Coming up on the show, Kelly has a gripe and it's a good one. We're going to talk all about Kona, the record breaking day. Is it okay to propose at the finish line? The loves and learns that I had from here on the ground in Kona and Kelly's mom has a question for us. 
Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast and get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race it and ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So before we recorded, Kelly, you told me you had a bit of a gripe. You were watching the Kona coverage and a few things were coming up. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's a gripe as much as a like, this is bullshit, but whatever. That's fine. So if you're watching the Kona coverage, I made the, I was watching it on my phone, which means you see all the comments people are posting on Facebook as it's airing. Yes. I finally figured I could turn my phone horizontally and stop seeing comments. But before that, I was seeing all of them and they were like, I think a there's regular- also a button you can press, by the way. <laughs> well. Anyway, but there was like a regular amount that were like, let's be honest. No one cares about the women's race. Oh my God. Why would you even want to see the person in 50th place? Though to be fair, like Daniela wasn't in 50th. She was in like 24, whatever. And then if women really want like their coverage, they should make it themselves. I was like, oh my God. But it's not like these things are unique. Afterwards, there was a whole slow twitch thread where some guy was like, well, women only make up 30% of the participants at Kona. So shouldn't Daniela only make 30% of the money? What the fuck, guys? (laughs) And I've been seeing many of these kinds of comments recently. There was a whole Mm -hmm. nother story that I put in the newsletter about like a woman breastfeeding at UTMB. And there had had been part of a whole article about how, you know, pregnancy systemic issues around like deferring when you are pregnant, your races and how we're making it harder for women to continue to race. And the whole article was filled. Like all the comments were men explaining to other men why like women complaining about this is just hurting women. And really they just need to like toughen up whatever. Right. Wow. It's all stupid. It's all stupid. But here are my problem with these, all these bullshit comments. Okay. First off, none of them are like new information. They're all coming into a debate that's been 30 years along, acting as if they're the first person to ever think of the fact that women make up less percentage of the racers at Kona and therefore should have less prize money. They are literally not even the first person to make that shitty argument. If they really genuinely are confused and want to have a debate, like, I don't know that it's on me at this point, you know, three decades into the discussion to inform them. I think if they really genuinely are curious about like gender pay gap and like why pregnancy deferrals are an important part of, you know, getting women to racing, they could go back and educate themselves. So I'm like a little tired of this. Well, you should just, you know, let me tell you my 17 points and you need to go look at this Ted talk. Like I don't, I don't need to hear your 17 points. They're the same points that have been made before. I don't know how much like I need to engage on this. Right. Like I just feel like these people think they're the first person to ever come up with something and it's 2018 and you're fucking not. And if you really want to know what's been happening, you should go and, you know, listen to the people that have been working on this for decades and decades and decades, which is also what I do on topics. I don't know anything about, right. I'm not going to like show me like here, I have an opinion about 
Native American land rights because I don't. I'm going to like listen to the people who've been working in this space. Like you're new to the party. Sit down and shut up. Right. Like that's my first problem. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I think culturally we're in this place, like just in general, where like we've failed, we've stopped understanding somehow that not all opinions are made the same. Like I think we probably talked about this before that like, like everybody, yes, everybody has a right to an opinion, but someone with an educated opinion, like if, if you have a PhD in the history of women in sport, then like your opinion on the women's coverage to me would hold more weight than if you're just a guy ranting on the live right. coverage. And like, but the amount that they think that they like really are the first person to think of this is also mind, mind blowingly, you know, male dude confident to me. But it also makes me think like not all opinions are valid. It's the other half of this, right? Or not the other half, but it's a part of it. You cannot get up there. If you got up on slow Twitch and we're like, you know, we really should do something about interracial marriage. Like it's wrong. No one would be like, well, guys, let's debate the ideas, not the person. People would be like, no, get the fuck out of here with that. Like bullshit, which obviously that's like another level of crazy, but you know what I'm saying? There are opinions that like, you're not going to debate the ideas. You're like, no, this is dumb. Move the fuck on. Right. Yeah. Interestingly, a friend of mine told me a story. She works in kind of preventing sexual violence and Mm -hmm. she's done like she's a PhD and she's done a lot of the research on this stuff. And she was doing a presentation and some of the guys who were listening, you know, she was basically one of the things she said was that there's not a lot of false reporting in sexual violence. Right. That's actually like the numbers don't play out when they do the studies. It doesn't play out. Right. And literally there were like men in the room who were who wanted to argue her on that point. Oh no, but we've seen these teenage girls, they come in here and they want to like, they want to report because they had sex with a boyfriend and they don't want to tell their parents like, and she's like, okay, well the numbers don't like the numbers don't tell that same story. Like it's a, it's a very strange thing when like, you know, people aren't willing to listen to like the, the side that actually knows what they're talking about. Well, that's like the whole sexual assault and being convinced that, you know, that false reporting is the bigger problem. is like a whole nother fucking topic, right? Because whatever, it's not, it's not like it's fucking not. There is no incentive to like false report since you're going to be like dragged through terrible things anyway. Yes, I'm sure it happens on like an occasional, you may have an anecdote, but that doesn't mean you're right. Right. I just think it plays into like, sorry, I didn't mean to derail the conversation into like <laughs> sexual violence. That was probably the wrong direction to go right now. But like, I, I just think that it, it's a, it t- taps into the same thing about like the opinions right. and the weight of opinions. Right? right. And that, that like, that is like the core of a, a cultural problem that we're having right now. And, and I don't know how we solve that. Like, how do we get back to well, the place where like educated, educated people, their, their opinions on things that they're educated about actually matters. I mean, I think it's a part of a larger trend that's kind of coming out of, you know, we all grew up in this time of like question authority, no questions, a dumb question. Uh, and that's led to a lot of stuff. Like, I think that's led to where we are now where like people want to question everything and people feel very anti-authoritarian, even when, you know, the authority is based on reality. But here's the, my second half of what, why this all pissed okay, me off, yeah. which I think answers your question. Yeah. The second half of why this all pissed me off was that there's all these like bullshit comments, right. Of, you know, mostly guys being like, Daniela deserves less money. Like, why are we even covering the women? Uh, The gender pay gap isn't real, whatever. And then you like say this is crazy to your husband, your boyfriend, your male friends. And they're like, yeah, I mean, he's just trolling or yeah, that's like, that's nuts. That's just that one guy or well, you shouldn't engage with him. And you're like, yes, fine, true. But I think it's time 
to acknowledge that this is not like one fucking troll, right? This is not like one random guy on Twitter who's like, oh man, you just can't hit girls on the ass anymore. Also something I saw in the what? last week. No way. Yeah. And that guy was real. Like that guy was serious. Like I thought he was kidding. <laughs> he was not. And here's the thing. Like you're saying, those guys are not going to listen to, I can't present them with evidence. I can't be like, here's documents right. of why the pay gender gap is a real thing. They're yeah. not going to listen to me. They're, they're, you also cannot really convince people of things when they've made a public position. Like that's not when someone changes their mind. They change their mind in like private conversations when they go back and think about stuff when they talk to their friends, which is the other guys. You see what I'm saying here? Like those guys are never going to listen to me on this. They're going to listen to their other friend, like their guy friends in locker rooms oh, while they're playing the sports. I see where you're all going stuff. with this. And so yeah. you guys need to address these issues. You need to like go off and get your house in order and like sort out your team. So Kelly, is that like a call to action for our, like for male supporters? Yes. I mean, honestly, like in all of my being annoyed about everything lately, I think it's a little bit not on me at this point. Like I can't harangue dudes into being on my side. Like dudes got to get dudes on this side. Like if you want to, if you want to be a good guy and involved, you're going to have to, you know, be invested too. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think we need like every every underserved group needs allies, right? Right. And women aren't the only group. So yeah, guys, step it up. Talk to your friends. Don't let your buddies get away with it. In all fairness, on the uh the Facebook Iron Man live coverage and on slow Twitch, there were a lot of guys who were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Daniela is like a way big deal. This woman's race is really exciting. Right. When I turned the right. Iron Man now coverage on Steve, my husband was like, who are these guys? <laughs> like where are Daniela and Lucy? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. No, uh, that's yeah. And we like, of course, right? Like, of course there's, there's more, I think there's more support than douchebags. Yes. It was also a very exciting race. So Let's talk about the actual Kona race now. Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, that was like... Well, first, first, first. Honestly, go ahead. You yeah. guys were not able to Facebook live stream. What happened? Tell us what happened. Yeah, so this is nuts. So this is the first year that the Iron Man now coverage, or the Iron Man live stream of any kind, has actually like worked properly. Do you remember last year, like Red Bull had a live stream and it went down like halfway through the race and Iron Man just didn't have... I don't think they had the Facebook thing going. No, yet. they didn't. So, but this year they had like a mostly functional Facebook live happening. And not only were people at home watching it, but everyone here on the ground was like streaming it onto their phone. <laughs> right. And it clogged up the cellular network. And like, literally we could not get on the live. And if we did, it would take so long to upload to the server that it was like just really patchy and like interrupted. And so we had to on race day, like, we were like, okay, this isn't going to work. What are we going to do? And we had to come up with another plan. So Ashley and I recorded a couple of videos just ourselves giving like race updates. And then we uploaded them on Wi-Fi. We also did like, we just went bananas on Instagram, like tried to put together like the best story possible. And then we also uploaded a couple short videos, like to Facebook and Instagram, like, uh, like the two to three minute videos, like when people are running by here on the ground or when groups, like we'd know that there were groups coming. It's like, okay, so Sarah and Annie and who, whoever, oh, Sarah Crowley, who was running with them at the beginning, you know, they're coming through now in the next two minutes. So we'd be like ready to get like that shot of them running down Alihi. So yeah, we had to like roll with the punches a little bit. 
Um, and it was kind of too bad because I love the engagement that we get like when we're live and we're actually talking to people who are watching our feed and they're, te- they're messaging us and we're talking to them. But yeah, that's how it went. And so I'll have to like rethink for next year, like what, like what, what value we can add on race day that will like serve everybody best. True, so that's fair. That's I'm the, sure that's the learning, the learning process. The technological platform will be entirely different by next year. It won't be Facebook or Instagram. It'll be like some totally new, different There'll be like a new yeah. app that will just, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> on the ground there. Okay. So obviously it was a record setting day. Daniela broke her record mm-hmm. by 20 minutes. Patrick would, went under eight hours, first time ever there. But it wasn't just Dan- like the top four women all broke the previous course record. So it was like, clearly yeah. it was a fast day. So I wanted to know though, because then afterwards you still hear all these people being like, oh, it was so hot on the run. It was so terrible. You were on the ground. Was it actually like record setting conditions? Was it hot? How was it windy? What was it like? Yeah, it was. So first of all, like it wasn't as hot as normal. By the time you get around to the run and you're up on the Queen K, like it was hot and actually like a hot windless day is kind of the worst for for running. So it was good for like the it was fast running conditions for someone like Daniela or the pros who are super acclimatized and ready. But for the age groupers, that heat would have and still they're like an hour later. People. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on the bike, I, from what I hear, it was like, it was kind of windless until they were on their way back. And again, this would affect the pros more. And then there was like massive sections of tailwind. Someone told me yesterday they were going at like 50 Ks an hour without barely pedaling. <laughs> so that's like what created. So yes, that's true. But at the same time, like you can't ignore that, like records being broken by that much, like by 20 minutes and going that fast. There's more than just like, there's actually good athletes. There's actually good athletes. I mean, the other thing that seems super obvious was that the women's race had really stepped up. Um, not to say that it wasn't good before, but you know how this is very common in women's sports. There'll be somebody who's just like shoulders above everybody else. And then everyone kind of like fills that gap. Um, just because, because history, whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That seems like happened this year. It seemed like the top, like it took, I can't even remember what it took. It took like a nine, 20 or something like some ridiculous time to be in the top 10 like nine hours yeah it was nine hours flat to be in the top 10 like that's absurd wow it is absurd and it's it it really was like the the depth of the women's field is amazing like you saw like what happened with like lucy really pushed daniela and also oh yeah and also like i love the fact that in even like within my time in triathlon, I've already seen like three different champions push the women's right, times right. higher. Like, so we really are developing at like quite a speed, like from N- Natasha Badman, who changed the game. And then Chrissy, of course. And then now Daniela. And like what I love about Daniela is she's clearly like going to stick around now for a little while. And like where Chrissy, like four years and she kind of went off to do something else, um, which is like totally her prerogative. But Dan- if Daniela sticks around, like they're going to keep chasing and chasing her hard. So the people who believe they can beat Daniela, you know, like you never know what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, I mean, though, yeah, I love that. She also, it was pretty impressive. Like she clearly had a rough day with the jellyfish stings. Like she came back, she came out of the water almost what, almost 10 minutes back, like really far back. Yeah. So like she obviously is uh, it's quite strong, quite good. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's a fair athlete. Yeah. No, what, what I really liked actually at the press conference was that after Daniela said, like she got stung by this jelly and it had affected her. Like she said, it was kind of hard to move her arms as quickly as she needed to in the swim. And she clearly was like in a lot of pain, right. like coming through transition. We actually saw her and we're like, what is going on? And then, but what she said was like, she started the bike and she had this thought like, oh, but maybe a jellyfish sting gives you a boost. <laughs> like, 
And I like, I like love it. It kind of made me laugh. Like everybody laughed at the press conference, but like how quickly a champion like that, like turns their mindset around. So it's like, she literally turned this thing that was like painful and hard. And she wasn't sure if she's going to be able to continue into like, oh, or maybe it's like a magical right. potion that makes me faster, you know, like, and, and it's just, it just so much showed me like, yeah, that's like, that's what a champion thinks. Obviously. I mean, yeah, we could all, uh, you know, learn, learn from that. Yeah, I also totally. thought, I mean, I really liked, I thought Sarah True and Annie Hogg obviously were both really impressive in their debuts. I was like, particularly liked, I mean, Sarah was blowing up in those last like four or five miles on the Queen K. And mm-hmm. I totally appreciate, I remember that exact, I think she got past the exact same spot I got past with like three miles to go on it. And you're just like, holy shit, I'm never going to make the finish line. And she kept it together. And that was like, you know, I really appreciated that. I appreciated that like... We all we're the same, Sarah. We all go through the same things. No, I, it's true. It's true. That's why, like after the race, when everybody's like moaning <laughs> about how hard their day was, like I, this part of me that just wants to go, like I really feel for you, but like your experience is not special. Like it's like this is what everybody goes through, and this is why we do it. Right. And it just feels like sometimes here, especially here, if I sometimes feel like everybody just needs a slap across the face, like a little wake up that like. You know, it's like, and like, be proud of yourself, like, especially because almost everybody overcomes obstacles in the day and like how you manage those is that's like the thing to be proud of at the end of the day. So I just, I don't know. I just want to give them like a big dose of that to be on my way. And I don't want to hear your sob stories. You don't want to hear sob stories. (laughs) I mean, Instagram is full of them right now. Hashtag Kona. If you want to go and find out why people's races didn't go the way they planned. I don't, I don't want to know Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> Matt Russell also, I was also really impressed with the two like late additions to the race, Matt Russell and Angela Nath. They both like, he, yes. was, he was six and she was eighth. And you're like, well, guess you deserve to be there. Like turns out. Well, and Angela Nath with the, yeah, right. Where everybody was commenting about like, cause she basically raised herself fit through the Lyme disease through like multiple rounds of antibiotics. She only just got off the last round of antibiotics on Wednesday. She told me, I don't know if that was public information, but I guess it is now. Yeah. Um, and then like, and there were a lot of people saying she didn't deserve to be there and how she got there as well by kind of fighting back against the, the women who got disqualified eventually from Ironman Maastricht. So I don't know. I, I really like admired her and how she just kept believing and then went out and came eight. Yeah. Boom. And I, I, I do think it's funny because like for all the uh, I'm sure I'm sure there are more people that care about the men's race, but I have a harder time. I just like I just genuinely like care more about the women's race. I like, it's not like, a oh, I think we should do it because equality. Like I want to because I genuinely like care about watching it and so I have a harder time caring about the men even though they're very very good and I like know who they are and I like their stories and all that and so at one point it was just like oh there's a big group of men in a bike pack and then they're all going to run fast like okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's it's true well I think it's like very understandable that we find it easier to invest in people who we relate to like those women are like us right you know and so we can like us just slightly faster just slightly faster um <laughs> but i did obviously i do i mean patrick langa has now i mean now he has two and he is like a very impressive runner i do enjoy like the random stuff he like pulls out of his his uniform his kit and i don't know if you saw mm-hmm. the video at one point you know how he you know how he always pulls like random things like a full coke out of his yeah at one point running through an aid <laughs> station he grabbed like clearly the volunteer was filling up cups and he just grabbed the whole liter bottle of coke and was just drinking like the two liters oh as my he's god running. that's amazing <laughs> 
So I like, wow, I, I, I missed that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do like Tim O'Donnell a lot. And I thought he did like a great job. Yeah. He's a quality person too. Um, I was very happy for Bart Arnitz, who I trained with a little bit a few years back. And he's always been like a very, very fast runner. Um, and I think he's come... 10th here before he's been in the top 10 here before like a couple years ago but like moving his way up to second that was amazing and I do uh I mean obviously Javi is dreamy and he didn't have a great day. He was like 11th in his debut. And, you know, that's I tough. Know, and yeah. I, I picked him. I know. I, I did picked too. him for the pool. I picked him for my like dark <sighs> horse. Like, hey, everybody, don't forget about Javi. Like, oh, right. man. The other thing I do think is interesting is the men's and Jan. So Jan, since he was out, was doing some of the coverage on the Ironman now. Yeah. And he uh, he knows his shit, shockingly. But he also knows. um yeah as much about the women as the men and he's like very detailed and he also was i'm trying to think of what he's unfiltered that might be the word for it and so he uh, was making good. comments about how some people like are teammates and you know how the men's race always kinds of turns into like a big pack on the bike and then there'll be like a couple of the uber bikers that like go off the front and then there's just like a big pack. Like that's just how it is. And so he was um, yeah. a little critical of that. But one of the interesting things I heard after the race too, and maybe you were at the press conference and you can sit, talk about this, was Marinda Carfrey was mentioning how for the, like she wasn't complaining. She was just kind of like, oh, I need to work on this. But she was mentioning how for the first time ever, like there was a huge pack in the women's race and she just like didn't know how to deal with that. And she needs to like work on riding with like 15 girls for next year because, you know, she just didn't know, like there were people slotting in and she didn't think you were allowed to do that. And like she, but she didn't want to go past everybody at once. And she just like, didn't know how to deal with that. And I was like, one, here's someone who clearly like has raced pros since they were 16 and like never had to deal with large packs. Right. Right. But two, like sound like the women's race, it's changing a little bit. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, yeah. it's getting to be a bigger group. Well, totally. Yeah. That was another thing that came out of the press conference was that, that there's like a new guard and there's definitely like, there's no room for, not a lot of room for weakness now mm-hmm. in the women's race. Like you have to be a good swimmer, good biker, good runner, um, where it used to be, you could have a weakness and kind of get away with it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, I also like though that Rennie was on it. Like she's like, I'm coming back. Oh yeah. She said she's coming you back know. for sure. I know people were like speculative that she might be done, but she was like, Nope, <laughs> like I will be here next year. Yeah, exactly. And she also like, she didn't have her run. Like she ran 301, I think. Um, and so, and she can run 251. So there's 10 minutes right there. So boom, yeah. boom, 10 I'm minutes. Excited to see her race again. Hey, do you know who was happy about their race? Who? Tim Don. Yes. True. I mean, he who, like, I don't even know what he finished. He was way back there. He was a guy who was like smiling the whole way. Like it's, well, it's yeah, perspective, he, right? Totally perspective. Like if you spent most of a year in a halo, he like had a broken neck happy. and he like finished like 20th or something at Coda. I think he's like, I'll take it. I'm good to go. <laughs> like, well, this is it. But I do think this is the perspective we should all share regardless. Like, it's too bad that someone has to break their neck in order to be like the only happy guy who's like not having the race that he I is I mean, there are plenty of, of happy you know? people. I mean, it's just, it's just, a, you, you go to a dark place, you come out of it, right? You're happy you did it. It's even if it's not a, Lucy Charles always seems like happy, right? Like people, even though she's like, I, you know, I obviously want to win. Like people are happy with their races. It's just, uh, they're also in the med tent, right? Like it, it happens. Like the funniest thing I saw was Sarah true 
she was so out of it. She ran across the finish line with her kit down around her waist. And then she was like, oh shit. And tried to pull it up, but she was like already like collapsing and the volunteers were trying to hold her up. And she was trying to like pull her kit on and she got it like halfway and then like kind of tipped over. It was like, it was so bad. Oh my God. That's amazing. That, does that just expose that, the fact that like some of the rules are a little silly or like some of the things you feel like you have to do for your sponsors yeah. in the finish line? It's like, you're just in survival mode, like a hundred percent. And you're like, oops, I left my sunglasses in the wrong place. So my I, know. I do think obviously, I mean, she wasn't in violation of the zipper rule because you're allowed to have it all the way unzipped down around your waist, but you're not allowed to have it zipped down just like partly, which I think Yes, I know you're looking at me weird. That is the rule. They always tell us you're allowed to wear a sports bra Why? and have your kit like fully off, but you can't have it unzipped past your sternum, which I think we can acknowledge like this is a dumb rule. Like we, this is like not a rule that should be a rule. But the other thing that always drives me nuts is, okay, so clearly Patrick Lang, if you ever watch him, he violates the zipper sternum rule all over the place, right? Like he doesn't even care. No one cares. No one's going to DQ him. Like it would be absurd after the fact to be like, sorry, Patrick, you had your kit zipped down too far. But then maybe instead right. of randomly enforcing rules and subjectively DQing people who aren't as big a deal, we should just acknowledge that it shouldn't be a rule. Like this is obviously how I also feel about, you know, many laws in life and policing. Like instead of only enforcing yes. it sometimes that you're not allowed to walk down the street with a beer and some people end up in jail and some people don't, maybe we should just be like, you can walk down the street with a beer and it's like not a problem. Right? Like, right. No, that's that's totally fair. And isn't that so it's so true about some of the Iron Man rules. Like I've seen I've seen races where like the entire men's pack goes off course, but because they don't want right. to DQ the whole top five, they just like let it lie. But then on another occasion, if one guy goes off course, he gets DQ'd. It's like this is not okay. I was like you have to enforce thinking the rules about something we've talked about uh when I was watching the Iron Man now coverage, which is that now that everyone can see that and see the whole like pro men's pack that is not totally legal the whole race, now that people can actually see it mm -hmm. the whole time, uh there is starting to be some responses <laughs> to to what we've been saying it's been happening yeah. all along. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens now that they're televised or broadcasting live there um the other thing patrick langa langa did that is you know up for debate if it's acceptable or not is proposed to his girlfriend at the finish mm -hmm. line so he crossed the finish line mike riley was like you know interviewing the mic and then he like got down on one knee and proposed and what do we think about this sarah so i have thoughts about proposing to your girlfriend i want first of all i wonder if he hadn't won would he have proposed right? i was and wondering that too and then the other thing is, is like, okay, you take this day, which is like this massive record setting day. Here's Patrick Langa winning his second Ironman world championship. So it's a day that's like really all about him, right? In every way, as it should be, right? And then you wrap that into like a day that's supposed to be about like you and your partner, like, and you propose. And I just wonder like, and you know what it's like, like what pro-life is like and how many sacrifices like Ironman champion partners make. Like they make every sacrifice in the world and the whole of their relationship like is about the success of one of them. So in that context, I'm kind of like, mm, maybe you should have taken like a separate time to focus on your relationship and like just like, you know, to be able to focus on her somehow, like to not wrap it into a thing that's about him. But, like that's kind of yeah, my but feeling I think, on it. I think he was trying to be like, oh, you sacrificed so much. You also are a part of this. This too is your world title. 
right. Yeah. We I, are, what it is like, we are the record break, whatever. Yeah. I, I take that point. You know what really matters is what she feels about it. Like well, if, yeah. if she loved it, then I'm good with that. <laughs> my opinion, my uneducated opinion doesn't matter as it turns out. I know. I mean, obviously, uh, I think it's rather, you know, in general, don't propose to your girlfriend at finish lines. But if you set the world record and win the world championship, then you're allowed to do whatever you want. So really, that's what you think. Yeah, I think you're I mean, like in general, like, you know, like when you're at like a random marathon and all these people are fucking like proposing and you're like, oh, my God. OK, like whatever. But I think if you like win the damn thing, then you, you're allowed to do whatever you want. So fair, fair. If she fair. liked the proposal, then. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's fair, too. Okay, so coming up after the break, Kelly's mom actually has a question for us, which we will be happy to answer. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ask Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc.com and Crave Jerky crave with a K dot com. If you don't already follow us on all the social medias at if we were writing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If we were writing is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. Time, my time, none of you people can tell me to stop This time, like the last time You better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is I step on the field, it's time to get real I'm feeling so ruthless I don't have anything to say connected to the newsletter or anything I do have a question though Maybe other people can help answer this I was wondering, how much does it matter To have someone there cheering for you when you do a big long race. Um, I missed your Aunt Susie's first Ironman this past weekend. She ran Louisville. And I was there when she ran her first half in Benton Harbor, and it seemed really important to her. So I felt bad missing her first full Ironman, and I just don't know. Does it really matter? How much do people need to have someone there cheering for them? So what do you think, Kelly? How important is it to have spectators with you at Ironman? I'm up and down on this. Okay, so first off, my aunt did her first Ironman this weekend. Yay. Let's be like, hey. secondly, yeah, so she like, you know, people came out to cheer for her and everything, which is why my mom was asking me about this because she wasn't gonna be able to go. I told her I'm up and down because there's certain people where if I see them on the side of the road, I actually am more likely to drop out. I've literally had races where I'm like, when I see Steve, I'm dropping out. And then it turns out he like went to get lunch and I never see him and I don't drop out. <laughs> True story. So like there's certain people where I definitely like I'm better off just like out there doing my thing and I don't want people out there. But then, but then it's like, if there's, if there are people that I don't know that like, I don't know who are yelling for me, then I feel bad. Like I, like I, like I need to do right by them. And basically it comes down to like my really close family. I feel like I can disappoint them because they'll love me anyway. But random strangers, I feel like I have to keep it together because they're expecting me to. <laughs> Maybe you should travel with random strangers to race, races all the time. <laughs> okay, what about, this is like literally what I've realized. And I realize that that is some messed up psychology in my head, but it's fine. What about you? 
Okay, I think that you know, okay, you know, Iron Man is one of these games that like goes wrong or you have to you have to overcome challenges during the day, like 99% of the time you raise. Um and I think that like at the finish line what makes it all worthwhile even when you don't necessarily like hit your goals or your best times are the people around you and the people who have supported you, right? So whether you need those people there or not, I'm not sure, but I think having one or two of them would be is like really a really nice thing. So I don't necessarily want like my whole crew like I understand the right. team that goes into like, you know, t- helping me be the athlete that I was. Um, but like having one or two of those people at the finish line is like it's meaningful, you know, in some way. Like you're sharing it with someone. I've I've definitely had experiences where I cross the finish line and there's nobody there, and like until I get on the phone with like my husband or right. my mom, like until I, you know, until I'm in that situation, I feel a little bit like I want to share this with someone. Like I'm in a foreign country and I just did a thing. Right, right, right. And, and so, yeah, I think like having spectators is important, but I also think like to, for your mom, <laughs> we don't want your mom to feel bad. Like it's not like everybody <laughs> has to be there. Like I don't need all of the important <laughs> people in my life at the finish line. Like if someone was there for your aunt, that's amazing. And your mom can definitely like be there too like on the phone or whatever later too so yeah my mom has come to a lot of my races and I she's almost getting to the point so she had been a person that I didn't want to disappoint and I would be like oh my mom's waiting for me at mile 16 I gotta make it mile 16 but now it's starting to be like oh she's already seen me win something who even cares and I started to uh wallow when I see her so (laughs) right yeah I get that I've had that before too where like I end up like I'm breaking down on the marathon and I'm like, mm-hmm. h- like, you're like hugging someone and you never want to leave. <laughs> like, right. Do I right. have to go back out there? <laughs> so in conclusion, cheering is good. <laughs> yes. But we don't need necessarily everyone out there. And at times that can be detrimental. True. Okay. And before we go, we had, we had a listener comment that it's hard to tell when our podcast is over. So I'm just going to say right now, the podcast is over now. solid